1: Don't worry, I'll be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. Here's a little song I wrote. I might want to sing it note for note, but don't worry. I'll be happy. <laughs> Don't worry, don't worry, baby. <laughs> don't worry, be happy.
2: Well, it's, it's like in uh, what's it called? Austin Powers. When it's that <laughs> when Mini Mini Me has a little uh. Yes. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> He's got like the
1: deepest voice. Be happy. I saw him. Uh, Vern, Vern, Vernon, Troyer. Yeah. Yeah, I saw him at the airport.
2: Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah, it was probably a couple months ago now. Nice. He is like the, an internet darling. He he's found out how to like dominate Reddit. It's kind of funny. Oh, really? Every, every I have time no he idea. posts something on Reddit, it's just like, we're in <laughs> <laughs> You're the best! <laughs> Woo. Welcome, everybody, to the Command Zone. I'm your host, Jimmy Wong. How's it? It's Josh Lee Kwai. Uh, GPLA has technically come and gone. It and was It was
1: awesome. Yeah, it probably was awesome. I mean, we're recording this before it happened, but you're listening to it after it happened because we're in the weird time bubble that's recording to going live. So, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming it was awesome. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Um, we're also going to talk about our
2: Eternal Masters preview cards. How exciting! And two. two of them. We Holy have cow. two. Blake Rasmussen, you the man. Uh, this you is, are the man, Blake. Yeah, this is. I'm so stoked. Um, mostly, too, because this is a set where everything that gets spoiled is like, you can play this in Commander. You probably will play this in Commander. Literally, at this point, I think
1: I've seen four cards from Eternal Masters. Yeah. They're all awesome in Commander. Yeah, exactly. They're all <laughs> great.
2: So that is very, very exciting. Uh, we have a little stuff, a little some stuff to upkeep, uh, of course. Uh, right now, the Mana Source Wedge is doing something for the St. Jude Fundraiser. Um, he did this last year, raised a ton of money. You're helping kids. It's an amazing, amazing opportunity.
1: Yeah, so... Um, you can go to twitch.tv/the mana source and that's where you can uh, follow Wedge on Twitch. And what's happening is from now, when you're hearing this podcast, until the end of the month, the 31st, he's doing a charity fundraiser for St. Jude Children's Hospital. And it's going to start at 4 pm. Eastern every day. and they're going to be auctioning off uh, magic stuff. to help raise money for sick children at St. Jude Children's Hospital. It's a really great cause. We've donated some stuff. Uh, There's some Commander product that's going to be going through. In fact, um, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, the 25th, which is the day we're coming out because it has to be a day late because that's the day we can announce our preview cards. Spoilers coming out. Then this is the day that some of our Commander product that we sent over, uh, that we donated to the fundraiser, is being auctioned off. So. If you want to go and simultaneously get cards for Commander and also help sick children, then go to twitch.tv slash TheManaSource. Also, follow Wedge on Twitter at TheManaSource to get updates about it. I mean, St. Jude, you just can't have a better cause than this. Yeah, very much so. Wedge sent me some statistics. I'm going to read some. Childhood leukemia survival rates have improved from 20% 50 years ago to more than 85% today. So that's twenty
2: percent, one in five. would, oh gosh, eighty-five percent?
1: I mean, that's what the research money is doing. It's helping to, you yeah. know, cure things like leukemia. Um, Saint Jude is leading the fight against influenza. Mm-hmm. So when you get a flu shot, Saint Jude played a big role in deciding what to put in the flu shot vaccine that you get. Oh cool. Um, Saint Jude provides all costs for patients and their families, so families don't pay for travel expenses, housing, food, or treatment. Everything is provided thanks to donations. From people just like you and me. Um, 75% of all St. Jude's uh, budget are donated by people like you and me. Wow. Even as little as as a dollar helps. It costs $2 million per day to run St. Jude Children's Hospital. So it's just a very great cause. I'm glad Wedge. Uh, is always supporting this and doing this every year and we're yep. trying to throw our support behind that so again go to twitch.tv slash the mana source follow wedge at the mana source and you know we've been really careful we don't ask for anything on the show we're, we haven't done a patreon mm-hmm. or anything like that you know this is a way that if you've ever thought like man i wish i could help the guys of the command zone out this is the way to do it go over
2: and give money for sick kids that will make that will help me out yeah, it's absolutely a selfless thing to do, and um, my dad's a doctor, and he always was so incredibly supportive of children's hospitals, because they're very specialized in what they do, and oftentimes, kids get lost in the mix, it's you know, it's it's tough for some families to afford health care for their children, and the fact that they pay for a lot of those expenses, including travel and stuff, that's fantastic. So go check it out, again, twitch.tv slash The Manasource, 4 oh, p.m. Right. Eastern daily until the end of the month. Exciting. Okay. GPLA has happened. Uh what decks did you bring? I think I brought my new five color lands deck. It's done. It's I mean, yeah, I played against it. What a deck. <laughs> has a little bit of tuning to do, Josh, as you know. Especially that one game, right? <laughs> <laughs>
1: um yeah, so I've been gold fishing it the last few nights. I built it. It's it seems like it's okay. It's yeah. not like amazing, it needs some tuning, but I I I'm not gonna know until I play against real decks like exactly what needs to be tuned but it's fun so far so and i've been uh tuning up my other decks how about you oh you've been tuning them up just a little bit like i took Chromad and i took um rune i took Mm -hmm. a couple others and there's just some stuff that i never got around to putting in like um
2: eldrazi displacer in in rune
1: no because i didn't want to i didn't have that much time to redo the entire mana base so i didn't Uh, do that but i did put in what's that sword that gives myriad blade of selves
2: oh yeah blade of Selves. i put that into rune Geez, that card, I've actually surprisingly not seen it that much uh, in our playgroup. I just but... think
1: our playgroup has been kind of slow to adopt th- all that stuff from yeah. that. It we're We're a little behind it. It ends up happening, but it takes a little while to sort of... I don't Usually know, it'll take one wham. person
2: playing it. Yeah, And if you play it against enough people this week, I'm sure enough people will, okay, maybe I need to get one of these. I mean, I know that card is awesome. Yeah, well, it certainly sorry, is awesome. Sorry, I blew everybody's ears out there. <laughs> that was unprofessional of The media. knowledge of that card being awesome
1: is just too much to handle. Um, um, speaking of the GP, we wanted to talk about something because it's funny, as GPLA came up and we've been interacting with a lot of people about the GP, We've, and even Terry, our editor, actually, funnily enough, was talking about some interesting things that I guess hadn't occurred to you and I, Jimmy, but I think mm-hmm. it'll be useful for our audience, especially more casual people that aren't familiar with how GPs work, to sort of go over some misconceptions about the GP experience. Yes,
2: certainly. For one, GP's Grand Prix are 100% free. They are open events for anyone to go to. Now, every Grand Prix has a different main event. Uh, in LA's case, the main event is Modern. So there'll be, I think, 14 or 15 rounds played out over two days in the top eight. If you want to compete in that, you actually have to register and pay to play However, if you just want to go to the Grand Prix where the event is, usually at the convention center, there are tables everywhere. There are tons of people just milling about, talking to people, doing trades, trading with vendors, buying cards, and playing games on the side, and that is 100% free to attend. There's no lanyards. There's no system to, in place to stop anyone from coming into the convention hall.
1: Yeah, it's not like there's an outside and you need a ticket. I think a lot of people think you need to purchase a ticket. Mm-hmm. You don't. It's, it's like a convention except for – it's like a convention that you can just enter and exit for free it's not like you need the badge like you were saying the lanyard um there's tons of people just playing magic and there's also side events Mm -hmm. so a lot of people don't go to the gp because they're like well i don't want to play modern for two days if you just want to draft once it's a great place to go because drafts are going to be firing like crazy or if you want to play a little sealed tournament they'll often have many other events going on they'll often have mini standard tournaments or mini legacy tournaments or those kind of things which are like five rounders and they just fire when you get a certain amount of people or whatever there's a lot of different formats but gps are really just conventions for magic players yep and even people who don't like any of those formats and just want to play commander i guarantee if you show up at the gp and you look for some people to play commander you'll find it
2: yeah and they have all sorts of events um, it's also huge for people that like play legacy because mm-hmm. this would be a great way to actually gather more than like four legacy players because <laughs> there just aren't that many you can have actual like 50 60 person tournaments and you can go register for one of those they run them on you near know, the whole weekend they have events where you get to play against pros like foiled again which is an event where you get it's a sealed deck for shadows of Renestrad and you might play against louis scott vargas who knows and if you beat that person you get extra prize tickets oh yeah they get bounty events so yeah, yeah you get a bounty on the pros that you beat and yeah
1: there's prize tickets for the events a lot of time so you collect those tickets and and you can go to the prize wall and choose what you want to buy which is usually like you know they'll have booster packs from like all kinds of different sets they'll have a lot of singles they'll have like the whole the
2: uncut sheets of magic cards just tons of cool stuff yeah it's awesome it's like a magic carnival yeah um it's the same it's same as like walking into a store you know you can just walk in and play if you want to for the most part you know and there's tons of vendors there you know just a lot of places to buy and trade your cards as well so it's just an awesome event and i highly encourage you if you're in the area just to come check it out at the very least maybe get in a couple of games of commander we're gonna be playing all weekend
1: yeah and also when you go to a gp that's in your area you're liable to meet a bunch of magic players that are also in your area yeah, so find out about new players new new places meet, to play yeah and meet people maybe people that you can meet up with and play you know, when the GP's over, things like that. It's just a really good way to connect with other magic players in your area. Yeah. Super highly recommended. I know casuals are sort of not familiar with that scene and they're a little bit reticent to try it out. Just go bring bring a one commander deck, you know, just give it a shot. I guarantee that once you're inside, you'll be like, oh, this is totally not as sort of structured and complicated as I thought. And it's totally like more laid back and just
2: fun yeah totally so make sure you guys check out a grand prix if they're in your area i'd say it's even worth a little bit of commute because for sure i would go all
1: the way up i would drive five or six hours for for a gp on a weekend for sure Yeah, totally
2: all right Oh boy, we've arrived. Let's do this. We have Eternal Masters preview cards. Two of them, they both have brand new art. It looks like a theme within the entire set so far. I think we can safely say that for the most part, there's going to be new art on all of you these cards. You think all the
1: cards are going to have new art? I
2: mean, maybe not at the common slot uh, for some of them, but it. I mean... So far, we've seen four cards. Yep. They all have new art. Yeah, and one of them is an uncommon, which we'll be spoiling very, very soon. Uh, Yeah, I like that theory.
1: I hope that's true. I, I, I'm not ready to say... Also, one of our spoiler cards leads into a discussion about possible speculation about what else could be in the set. Oh, yeah.
2: Very exciting. I'll let you do the honors, Jimmy. All right, our first spoiler card. Drum roll, please. <laughs> At Uncommon, it is Ashnod's Altar. It's an artifact. It costs three mana to drop, and it says... Sacrifice a creature, add colorless, colorless to your mana pool. So that's two colorless mana or diamond mana as we sometimes refer to it in uh, the uh, the new flavor text. This is also new. If you work at sawing up carcasses, you notice how the joints fit, how the nerves are arrayed, and how the skin peels back. An Ashnod of Thanos. That's a morbid. That is. That's a morbid
1: quote from Ashnod, yeah. who's a female. I believe I believe that is a
2: morbid quote from her. Yeah, that is very very morbid. Um, Ashnod's altar. This is a hundred percent a commander card. I play this in many of my decks. And and you know what?
1: It's not super cheap. I mean, look, it's not super super expensive, but it's a couple bucks. And by the time, because I I'm like you, I played in probably like seven or eight of my. 19 or 20 decks that's yeah. a lot and every time i'm like do i want to buy another one of these like dang it and there's probably two or three decks that would like it but i'm just like i don't need a ninth Ashnod's Altar. yeah exactly
2: but it's un freaking common it's this, uncommon which this... makes me really excited because as a drafter this makes me think immediately oh is there a big mana deck is there a deck yeah. that wants this with tokens or a token deck, yeah. yeah which means like are we gonna see some big baddies like is emrakul gonna be in this set like who knows what could happen Anything is possible. Anything's Anything is possible. possible. Everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah. So very exciting. Um, Astronaut's Altar, obviously, two ma- two mana for a single creature being sacrificed. The possibilities are endless here. I mean, usually you're thinking like, okay, so we have tokens. Uh, we have a bunch of one ones that we can sacrifice to this. Also, like we said, having a sack outlet is always important in the game because if someone tries to steal your commander, or if you're playing a Child of Lard deck, it's just it's nice to have a way to just instantly trigger that ability. Yep, and
1: oh, there's so many reasons why we've said this before where in theory like a card that just said sacrifice a creature, that's it. No, it just allowed you to sack a creature at will and had no effect. It, we would play it. <laughs> it would it would possibly be p- playable because yeah. just having a sack outlet is very, very possible or is very, very powerful. It just stops a lot of things your opponent's trying to do like steal your stuff or exile your stuff. You don't want yeah. to get exiled. Um, and the fact that it gives you mana is very, very powerful because what do we always say cheating mana costs is probably the single most powerful thing you can do in the game of magic and so this allows you to in some ways just generate mana from nothing
2: yeah think about this way if you play a creature in turn one and turn two you play a creature that makes two creatures you have three turn three you play this you can just get six colorless mana on turn three you you lose your board but you could play something nuts you could play Worm coil engine on turn three with this yeah you you could be super far ahead yeah
1: yeah it's pretty crazy um our buddy the Magic Man Sam on YouTube really recently did a video that was called Ode to Ashnod's Altar in, in EDH. Yeah, in it's quotes. it's awesome. And it's a very sweet video and
2: he even compares it favorably to Soul Ring. Mm. That's how good he thinks it is. You know, I I'm a fan of that. Um, I think in the right decks this is more powerful than Sol Ring certainly. Yeah, I think it can be. I still think Soul Ring's more
1: powerful overall, but I I think it's hard to make the argument that there are certain decks where if you had to choose one, you would choose Ashnods.
2: Yeah, not to mention it just sits there, and you can generate it multiple times, right? With well, so long, you can tap it once before it stays tapped. You can't use it again. Ashnod's altar, you can just go to town if you have the creatures to fuel into it. Um, it's great. I, I think this card is awesome. I'm so excited that it's at Uncommon, which means that I'm just going to have these now. If I draft this set a lot, and I don't need to worry about buying new ones. It's... oh we're gonna draft it a lot yes i am oh we are excited i already
1: know um all right let's go on to card number numero
2: dos oh this is a big one
1: this one opens
2: up a doorway this is like the first the card i think i've ever seen you cast yeah i love this card play it against you. i
1: love this card and yeah it opens up this anything's possible <laughs> uh mystical tutor is the card? Woo! It's getting reprinted. It's getting reprinted. It's at rare. It costs one blue mana. It says: Search your library for an instant or sorcery card and reveal that card. Shuffle your library, then put that card on top of it. It also has, I believe, this is new flavor text.
2: The student searches the world for meaning. Oh, it's actually the original.
1: Oh, this is not new flavor text. It's
2: not new flavor text. Oh, well, it's it's. Sorry, this is the flavor text that you'll find on the card from the from the vault version. Okay. The student searches the world for meaning. The
1: master finds worlds of meaning in the search.
2: Ooh. Just,
1: just think about that for a minute. I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking. I'm sure the masters of modern guys would probably be able to go all zen <laughs> on that because of their intro. Yeah, um, you know, the
2: journey is... That's what you really learn from is the journey. Yep. Journey before destination. Yes. This is a sweet card. Uh, yeah. It's an instant. You... Oftentimes, we'll search up a Cyclonic Rift. Mystical Tutor just says, would you like Cyclonic Rift at the top of your deck? Go for it. Go for it. Would um, you? Yeah.
1: Or Brain Geyser. Yeah. Or, you know, the the great thing about Mystical Tutor is that it also goes and finds the other tutors. Yeah. So worst case scenario, if you're like, Mystical Tutor, but I need a creature and it only gets instants and sorceries. Well, then you Mystical Tutor for Demonic Tutor or yeah. Worldly Tutor, and then you go tutor for the creature you need uh so it's one step removed sometimes but it still works it still can
2: do you know get you the creature eventually yeah absolutely i mean this card obviously is powerful for the reason that it is just a tutor and any any way you can get a card into your hand in in a format where you have 100 cards that are not the same is a good thing. And you've got five
1: opponents or four opponents, and you can't always have hold in your hand cards to deal with everything that's going to come at you. Yeah. Uh, so then when something unexpected happens, the tutor is the versatility to go get the answer that's needed. Um, these cards are interesting. We've talked about it a little before. Uh, when it says you go and you search for the card and you put it on top of your library, one thing to rem- remember is that it's card disadvantage. You actually used a card but didn't get a card back. You're going to have to wait to draw that card. Mm -hmm. That's a smaller downside in Commander because we tend to have a lot of card draw.
2: Yeah, and you'll technically play this at the end of your previous opponent's turn so that you can draw it so it doesn't feel as bad. But yeah, you're still tossing a card for nothing immediately.
1: Yeah, so something that makes it a little bit worse... You know that's why things like demonic tutor are so so good yep not just that it can find anything but also because it puts it into your hand so it
2: yeah and you don't have to reveal it to anyone as well
1: yeah so that's the, another thing about mystical tutor and the tutors like this is that you have to show it so if it's cyclonic rift they sort of have a second to get ready for it um, again most of the time you're going to do it on the end step before your turn to mitigate that but there is the ability for them to sort of like, oh, he's going to have that. Mm-hmm. So it's harder. Cyclonograph's a little bit, maybe not the best case scenario, but if it's like a counter spell, yeah. well, you just showed everybody that you're going to have it. So that's not, it, you know, not that you wouldn't necessarily do that. It's just like, if it's Cryptic Command, well, it's going to be harder to get somebody.
2: True. Unless you're like me and just
1: tell everyone you have Cryptic Command so they won't attack you. It's true. It might just be good <laughs> to do that. Um, true. You brought up some interesting things, which is how well it works with certain commanders.
2: Yeah, so if you have a commander like Jellava, Hellava, you can tutor this and then cast your commander so that whatever you tutor up is going to be exiled by her and you're going to be able to use it. So obviously you can just cast kind of a game-winning card if you really want to, you know. And more specifically, this goes very well with Narset.
1: Yeah, Uh, any, any card that cares about what's on top of your library this is a possibility now yeah you can grab
2: enter the infinite you know i think that's like the big one for narasad to just combo off with i think like melek would probably want something like this too Mm -hmm. he cares about what's on top of your library so you can just go
1: put the right card there and then it is like a demonic tutor except better at instant speed for one mana because right if you're gonna have access to that card right away in fact you don't actually even want it in your hand yeah uh, for some of these commanders so that makes it very very powerful I love this card.
2: I basically play it in almost every deck that has blue, almost. Yeah, I-, I would I would agree. I think there's no reason not to. Now, of course, some people might argue that, oh, you know, if you're playing the 70%, if you want to lower the power level a little bit. Um, I just like having the ability to say, like, maybe I won't die this turn because I couldn't get the thing into my hand. And I, for me, <laughs> I usually use tutors as a reaction as opposed to um, being on the aggressive with it. So in that case, that's why I run in almost everything.
1: Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I think tutors in general are sort of against the 75% philosophy. I don't know. Jason, that's not my theory. It's Jason's. So I'm not sure what the rules are, but I th- I believe that's how it works. Yeah. Um, But we don't necessarily play according to that philosophy. It's great. I'm not telling anybody to do it or not to do it. Um, For me, yeah, I like to have the versatility to go get Cyclonic Rift if I need that or to go get Brain Geyser if I need cards because a lot of times yep. – that's the great thing about it is Mystical Tutor can sort of double also as a card draw spell. So if it's right. the last card in your hand or close to it, you can use it to refill your hand. Wheel of Fortune or something, go get that, uh, which is super powerful just so you don't run out of
2: gas and don't end up just like sitting there doing nothing. Yeah, and that's always nice. Flexibility, as we all know, and it's something that we preach constantly on the show, is to have flexibility and be able to know how get access to your cards when you need it. Okay, so... The big question.
1: Yeah. Because this opens a door of possibilities. So the big question is, we, we've we seen this card, and now we're recording this out of necessity, you know, almost a week before it's going to play. So in the meantime, some cards may have been spoiled. I'm assuming they have. But at this point, we don't know any other cards in the set besides Wasteland, Force of Will, and Ashnod's Altar. Yeah. Do you think we're going to get the quote-unquote cycle of these? <sighs> because there's enlightened tutor worldly tutor vampiric tutor are all basically the same version of this for the different colors so enlightened tutor gets an art an artifact or an enchantment uh worldly tutor gets a creature vampiric tutor gets anything but you gotta pay some life but they all do the same thing where they put it on top of the library yeah uh
2: i would love that Especially Vampiric. Vampiric Tutor is the big one, that I'm thinking. It's of, super this card expensive. Is, yeah, it has not seen much print. It is a very expensive card because it sees a lot of play in legacy formats. Uh, Yes, please. Enlightened Tutor is expensive, too. Worldly Tutor is a little bit on the cheap side. These are all not super cheap, though. Tutors in general, yeah, are going to run up the price tag a little bit. Especially um, these hyper efficient ones. I mean, holy crap. Could you imagine? Uh, it would be like a freaking magical Christmas land if that was the case. It would be so
1: awesome because. I just don't have enough enlightened tutors. I don't, you know, worldly tutor, and mystical tutors are a little bit cheaper. They're still not, they're still not super cheap. Yeah. But enlightened tutor is like pretty expensive. Um, Vampiric, Vampiric tutor, is like own, prohibitive.
2: Yeah. I own zero. Yeah. I, I own like zero like to... and
1: I'm just not willing to pay that amount. For yeah, a, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd rather
2: just have a demonic tutor. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I really hope so. That would be incredible. Um, but, you know, that's... Uh, I mean, maybe edging on the bit of wishful thinking, I think, because they're all such high-value reprints. Wizards may not want to do that all in one fell swoop. But... we And we, we have, have seen in the past where they did just a couple of the Command series.
1: They didn't do the entire cycle. You know, they, they don't have to. They don't feel the need to have to reprint the entire cycle. Sometimes yeah. they do, sometimes they don't. And I'm talking about from uh, Modern
2: Masters. Mm-hmm. So i don't know i don't know either i would i would i'm very excited to see potentially um but who knows i'm i'm gonna hope so i'm gonna say yes dang it You're yes say yes i'm gonna say yes Oh boy! because well, i'm, I'm looking looking an optimist to, i'm looking for that vampiric tutor this is gonna I'm be so to sweet when i'm right <laughs> okay
1: there's a really good chance that it's enlightened tutor and worldly tutor but not vampiric tutor
2: yeah you never know i mean whatever
1: is vampiric tutor on the uh, reserve list or anything like that? Like, am so. I sounding really dumb right now? No,
2: no, I, I don't think it is. And you know what? I'm I'm voting for you to be right because I think it would be great. <laughs> well, I appreciate your vote. Yeah, that's all. It's like that's how I base. Thing. I'm just like I. Th- this would be great because it would be great. Yeah, vampiric is not on the reserve list. So, so let's just no do worries. it. Yeah,
1: I mean, they've already done it or done did it. I mean, it's not like I can <laughs> convince anybody at
2: this point. I, from two years ago, let's, let's do it. All right. All right. So we're doing it. Hopefully, they're all in there. If not, uh, Josh, gosh, man, what a, what a prediction. You got so close. <laughs> so
1: very, very I like us just covering all the bases. Yeah,
2: exactly. You have to say a little bit of everything. Like, Josh, you were right. Amazing. So that when we cut together a supercut at the end of our careers, we'll be like, man, remember that one time Josh correctly predicted this whole psycho, psycho cycle? Yeah, remember that time yeah. Josh was a psycho? Yeah. That was sweet. That was sweet. All right, so those are our spoilers for Eternal Masters. We have Mystical Tutor at Rare and Ashnod's Altar at Uncommon. Check out the sweet new art. If you're not looking at the art right now, you could be if you're watching the video on YouTube.com slash the Command Zone Podcast. Awesome. Ooh. So awesome. Plus Foil Mystical Tutors. Oh man. Oh man. Foil new art mystical tutors, because I have one from From the Vault, but it's the old art and I want the new art course you have the old foil why not because you're a foily guy i am foiled again all (laughs) right um let's move on to another subtopic here uh recently an article came out uh called opponents are people too and it's written by steve rubin who won the last pro tour and uh the article showed up on steve rubin's blog and his blog is called a symphony of snores which i thought was kind of funny uh steve rename your blog
1: <laughs> nobody wants you don't wants, want to you do,
2: you don't advertise your thing as something that's boring true okay very true um anyway he made uh this article and it, it sort of got around the internet for a little a little bit tossed around reddit and stuff and it's very well written and it addresses a very important point yeah i think i mean it's long yeah well i mean uh,
1: yeah i don't think it's I, I think the point he's making, though, is really, really interesting, really good. It needs to be talked about a little more. And the point that he's making is, like, why are we so mean to our opponents? And I, and he doesn't just mean, like, when you're face-to-face with them. He means when you're talking about games that have occurred, you know, yeah. people often refer to, like, and then my idiot opponent did this or my opponent. They're, they're very negative in general very often about their opponent and, like, what they presume to be their intelligent level or... or, Yeah, based
2: on their plays or whatever. Yeah, their skill at the game and blah, blah, blah. And how you don't respect them because of it. Yeah, and how they just got lucky. Yeah, that's the worst part is when you're berating how bad your opponent was, how dumb they were, and they beat you. So you have that extra layer of whatever on top. Um, Yeah, it is pretty pervasive in... It is
1: very pervasive, I think in just gaming culture in general and definitely in Mm -hmm. in Magic. And, And as I was reading, I was like, man, yeah. I've done that. I've heard people do it. It big, is kind
2: of weird, and it is kind of bad. It, the, yeah, the big thing is is that we allow each other to do it, and we don't really – we want to sympathize with our friends because they're the ones that lost. They're the ones that we know what they're playing for. We know how much they prepared or how much it means to them. And so hearing them lose, especially if they're saying, well, I lost to someone that I shouldn't have lost to, you know, you want to have empathy for your friends. But you're actually kind of just negating empathy for people in general. Um, could you imagine ever saying this to someone's face? You know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there are some people that do, but definitely, it's not. It's not super.
1: I, I mean, it made me think of how often, just in life, your brain is like fiercely protecting your own mental health, mm-hmm. and it's doing that in the way of like, well, I need to in my mind degrade my opponent because otherwise my own self-worth will somehow be damaged, you know? Right. And that's, I think what a lot of this stuff is. And man, that's kind of despicable. (laughs) I mean, and I've done it and I probably still do it. It's the same thing where people like, are like, you like that band, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Or you eat there (laughs) or blah, blah, blah. You wear that, you know, (laughs) I like all that stuff is just like trying to make yourself feel better or above them or superior to them for some reason, because That's really what your brain's trying to do is just give yourself confidence, right?
2: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, having an opinion is a good thing. I think you should always have an opinion. You shouldn't just say yes to everything or whatever. But at the same time, if that opinion is at the expense of someone else, especially if it's like, I don't know, the idea of talking behind someone's back is not pleasant to me in general. I do it all the time still. and I can't help it. And it's something I don't want to do. It doesn't make me actually feel any better in the long run. But in the moment, I mean, I under,
1: I'm i just saying that as a way to understand why it occurs. But yeah. then when you step back and you look at it and you go, man, yeah, I wish I didn't do that. And you can think somebody's clothes are something you wouldn't want to wear without thinking they're stupid for wearing them. You, know, yeah. you can think somebody the band that somebody likes is not music that you like without thinking that they're an idiot for liking that band.
2: Yeah, I think that's the big thing, too. There's so much, especially in geek culture, too. I've never met a larger group of inclusive and not inclusive people in yeah, my whole really life. Yeah, it's really interesting. Where the whole thing is like, look, we're this underrepresented group of people. We got bullied in high school. Now we are. We can stand together. Oh, you like the new Ghostbusters trailer? You can go You're rock. an idiot. Yeah, you're an idiot. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. How does that make them any worse or better of a person for something... That you just don't agree with. I mean, this happens all the time and it's something that's very pervasive in geek culture. It just it's it's a bummer, but that's something that I think we need to address before it gets out of control because I think being that entitled to your opinion and thinking it is the top top of truth in the world is not gonna get you anywhere. Yeah, I just think it's
1: interesting to when you're doing that stuff take a step back and be like, Why am I doing it? And a mm-hmm. lot of times you'll find if you search yourself down deep, Oh, I'm just doing that to make myself feel good. Yeah. You know, I'm just I'm not actually like I'm putting that person down because it makes me feel like I'm above them just in the moment. But is that really how the type of person that you want to be? You know, I had this conversation and we've never talked about on this show um, when I went on the commander in podcast. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about one of the really, really prevalent things in EDH is to sort of call certain plays or types of plays like mean or to call people, you know, to sort of be like, if you want to be a jerk, then you do this. Yeah. Yeah, and and you know I was really railing against it on that show of just calling people names or attributing the person who's doing something in the game uh, with a negative, you know, I don't know, handle or title, being like that person's mean, that person's a jerk, mm-hmm. that play is jerky, that play is mean, and I'm like, it's a game, no, no plays mean. Yeah, the, it might not be the type of gameplay that you like, but it's not mean. It's not the it doesn't do it doesn't say anything about the person.
2: Yeah, I think that's actually a really important point is that we do assign a lot of character descriptors yeah. to people based on what they do in a game. Um, now, this is different than like someone on Call of Duty actively screaming at you over voice chat and insulting you and calling you names. It, it would be like, oh, this person killed you a bunch in this game where you're supposed to kill other people. That was mean of them. It's like, actually, that was just them playing the game at their level And that's what ended up happening. And I think a lot of, because it is a social game, it's multiplayer and and people want to have fun. It's anything that I think people see like, oh, you're detracting from the fun of it. Thus, you're not a good person. (laughs) Like it just jumps to that sometimes. And if you think about it, I'd bet you in, you know, a large
1: percentage of those cases, the person is actually just mad they're losing or lost. Mm -hmm. And that's what they're doing. They're doing what we talked about earlier. They're trying to make them, their mental psyche is actually trying to make themselves feel better by going, well, well, that person just mean I wouldn't want to win like that. Yeah. They're not better
2: than me. I just choose not to play like that. Right, and it's interesting because that is sort of the opposite end of, let's say you you play someone, they beat you, and you think they're a a worse player, so you go off and you call them an idiot. And if you went to that other player and asked them, well, hey, what is your goal behind playing the game? And they say, it's to relax. It's to de-stress. I play it because I have a really busy work life and I want to do it for this. That could be the same person that also in a game where they lose brutally to a crazy combo deck. Go, wow, that's not how I play. That person's an idiot. Yeah, you know? like it, it can go both ways. And I think it's really important just to think of like, why does someone play the game? It could be completely different than why you play it, and that's something to be, I don't know, just recognized. It's okay that not everyone plays the game the same way you do. There's I think literally nothing wrong with that. It's <laughs> it's just good to separate like the game from the person. Like you know, don't
1: like you said attribute a bunch of character qualities to them yeah yeah and right we're all learning you know we all listen to I this mean, podcast geez, i, I wish listen I was... to
2: podcasts just because i want to get better and i want to be a more fun person to play with and against because i think we can spread a little happiness in the world if we keep playing card games
1: all we need is love love.
0: Love,
2: love is, is all, all we, we need. need um and a couple of magic cards
1: i mean I, yeah i and and here we are and we've sort of preached about this, which I feel a little bit bad about because I'm not great at it. And I really wish I was. Right. So I'm the first person to say like, geez, I've totally done these things. And uh, well, I that's just, a huge part of it. It's, it's just... something I want to work on. Right. And it's also conducive to becoming better at magic because as soon as you stop attributing that to like the person being a jerk yeah. or the person being stupid or blah, you can actually look at, okay, these are the conditions in the game. What can I do? in the game without worrying about like all the emotions of that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. to do better next time.
2: Yeah. Which is surprising when I find people getting salty on like magic online because you can't actually see the other person. It's as though you're playing a computer and that's how I try and treat it. Every time I play someone on magic online, I'm not playing a person so I can get mad at them. I'm playing a computer that is set at a certain level, has a certain percentage for making mistakes and just go (laughs) play your best. Don't worry about what the other person is in real life how good they are whatever it's not gonna make you play any better it was weird i was playing the other night and
1: it was a tight match i was playing in one of those sealed leagues Mm -hmm. and it was a really tight match and it came down to like a couple of plays by me uh near the end and and the guy was like you know he typed in the chat like nice top decks Mm. you know and then and then quit which is not a big thing like uh, i've i've experienced far worse as far as people like typing mean things at you um and I was just like, well, they have, that guy's doing that thing, right? Like, instead yeah. of, instead of, instead of, or sorry, it could have been a girl, I don't know. That opponent is doing that thing where instead of looking at the game and going, like, oh, I wish I did this, or I should have blocked here, or maybe I should have traded instead of blah, 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 or saved my combat spell right. to another. They immediately went to you got lucky. You got lucky. Well, then
2: how are you going to get better for your next game? Just get lucky in, re- in response, clearly.
1: I mean, is that your strategy? Because that's not a good one. Yeah. Th- I yeah. was just thinking like, mm, it's too bad because that person, they've hit a little bit of a wall, at least right now, where instead of learning from a mistake or two. And, and we both made mistakes. I mean, I looked at that game because I like to watch my replays. Uh And I was like, oh, yeah, I made a couple of mistakes. And I knew my opponent made a couple of mistakes, too. Mm -hmm. And instead of them doing that, I'm sure they just wrote it off as like that person got lucky on to the next game.
2: Yeah, and actually you'll find that the higher level pro that you look at for Magic, they are more and more like this where they're able to separate the mechanics of what they're doing on the board with who they're playing against. Mm -hmm. Because everyone's at such a high level. It doesn't do you any good to get upset about luck, to get upset about variance and all that stuff because it's a part of the game. So once you are able to focus in more on what you're doing and how you're playing the game you will ultimately get better both in the game and i think in life because luck is all around us in whatever form and even if you don't believe in the idea of luck the the idea of chance falling in your favor or not is happening all the time and how you frame it in your mind i think really determines how you live your life
1: i think that games and gaming are very good at teaching us lessons for life. And we've talked about this on the show many times of how you sort of port a philosophy from life into magic or Mm -hmm. from magic into life or from poker into life or basketball or anything that you do. And this is another one of those things. And the ability to take a lesson learned in a game and apply it to your life, if you learn that, then you don't have to make... There's this great saying, it is a wise person indeed who can learn from another's mistakes... Well, this is very similar mm-hmm. in that you learn from a mistake that you did in something that's sort of a simulation, and then you apply it to the, to
2: reality, yeah. and all of a sudden, you didn't have to make that mistake in reality. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Um, Gavin Verhey, friend of the show, uh, told me once, and I think he's written this on his blog, too, that magic has helped him improve. All aspects of his life, from both a professional and a personal standpoint, because it helped him. You know, who's able to take lessons from one thing and apply it to the next. Obviously, not everything is a one-to-one applicable thing.
1: You, usually, it's metaphorical, right? That's yeah. why
2: you can read the book "The Art of
1: War" and then all kinds of like corporate CEOs read it, and but they're not they're not actually like sending soldiers into battle, but they right. can extrapolate the same lessons to like corporate negotiations or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah,
2: totally. All right. All right, so make sure you guys read that article if you have a chance. Um, Also, Steve Rubin does make a good point where, you know, if you are the kind of person that has the uh, chutzpah or the the gall, I don't know, to stand up and say something, like, you know, make your voice be heard if you see this kind of behavior happening with your friends and you're not comfortable with it or whatever because it does take a little bit of speaking up to sort of reverse negative behavior, especially if you're doing it yourself. Maybe you just have to say it out loud. Like, hey, guys, I know I did this, but it doesn't make me comfortable when you do this because I feel this, you know? So make your voice be heard.
1: Make your voice be heard. That's right. I like it. It, All right, to the listeners, this is a good one. We need a lot of responses here. (laughs) Plenty, please. It's topic time. So we're always interested to hear what kinds of things, topics you would like to hear us talk about. So we'd like you to tweet at us, to email us, to put in the comment section what are some show topics or some things that you would really like us to tackle on the show yes please because we'll tackle it we definitely will get there many of our shows have been prompted by emails or comments Mm -hmm. or discussions on twitter and we're always looking for the stuff that the listeners are interested in that we have an opinion or a take on uh
2: that we can make a show out of and you know hopefully you guys got some good ideas yeah and good ideas also always come up when i'm playing a game with people uh so i'm hoping to get a few ideas from week. we weekend. should get a lot of ideas because we're yeah. gonna play a lot of games yes yeah, so i'm very excited to play against decks from all around too and check out what the different metas are like what the uh, different deck builds are and my favorite part cards that i never knew existed i'm gonna be keeping a nice text list of that
1: yeah that's the best yeah my phone's always on the notepad and i'm like what's that card writing it down yeah
2: putting it into <laughs> this deck soon
1: um all right time for the end step where we talk about something cool outside the world of magic i have something
2: yeah hit it hit, it's a hit it's hit it. a
1: mobile game it's called clash royale now this is not a small game there are a lot of people playing this game this but is if, also not a paid advertisement so you know no they haven't <laughs> paid me they it wouldn't be worth it have for you them. paid
2: them at this point josh
1: <laughs> uh, a little uh. <laughs> but you know my philosophy, where is that? Once I play something for more than about ten hours, I'm gonna throw some money towards the creators. I yeah, just exactly. Believe that's right. Um, so Clash Royale is made by the makers of Clash of Clans, which I also play, and it's sort of like a two D tower defense game, but it's one on one. It also has some card collecting card collecting aspects to it. It's a strategy game. It's fun. You can play a game in four minutes or so. Um, I don't know. I've just been playing it, and it's fun. Yeah. It's not aw- it's not to the point where like I play it late into the night or anything, but it's just a good time
2: killer in between other stuff. It's always nice to play, have some game on your phone that doesn't take a huge amount of time out of you, and you can just sit down, and play a couple minutes, and you're done. And it seems like that that has sort of solved. Yeah, anytime that,
1: you're like waiting in line or you're like, you know, just waiting for something, you can just you can just pop on and play it.
2: Yeah, awesome. Class awesome. Royale, there you go. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> like awesome. they
1: need, they're making like a hundred, hundred and ten dollars
2: a month or something.
1: I heard on t- that game,
2: hundred ten dollars, hundred and ten million dollars. There month. you go. <laughs> there it uh, is. Hundred and ten dollars. My goodness. Hundred ten million, million. Okay. I All forgot. Right. I I just forgot like six zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. Pretty close. It's is almost the same. Yeah. Speaking of six zeros, uh you guys should check out our sister podcast. That has actually nothing to do with six zeros. Are they zeros or are they heroes? They are heroes. Speaking of six heroes, and by six heroes, I mean two heroes. This is awesome. (laughs) Alex Kessler, Ben Bateman. They host the Masters of Modern at the MMCast on Twitter. They're definitely going to have a lot to talk about on their next episode, which is going to be post-GPLA, I believe. Uh, I mean, I'm really interested to see what takes... This is the first big modern GP since the uh, bannings. So I'm really excited to see what takes it all down, what the metagame looks like. If you guys are interested in that at all or just really great analysis of competitive modern magic, check those guys out, the Masters of Modern. You can find them on the podcast tab on rocketjump.com podcasts.
1: Our editor is Terry Robertson. Way to go, Terry. Hope you had fun at the JP. And uh, special thanks to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG. Jeffrey does the cool animation videos at the open... Of our show, The Soul Ring, and every once in a while in the middle. You should definitely go check out, throw some love to Jeffrey Palmer at Living Cards MTG. He's everywhere these days Channel Fireball, the Community Super League, all over the place.
2: Yeah. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope to see you at GPLA slash seen you at GPLA. And we'll see you next time. Peace. Man, this is happening more often. Yeah. It's just whoever takes the bat first. Actually, I think it's dependent on who shouts out the master of the modern and who says the editor of the show is on uh, jeffrey palmer i need to
1: find the you know how if you want to like walk in step with somebody you have to do that little skip thing so yeah yeah, can, yeah i need to find the skip thing that allows me to get back ahead of the peace thing so that i can say peace but
2: it's you too just, late now you could just throw something in there it's like one two one two one you have to just get another two in there so that yeah. comes back to me to say all right guys thanks so much we'll see you next time we're such gamers we're trying to game this system <laughs> well usually you announce the master of the modern very yeah, rarely true. do you call out Terry and Je- I mean that's why I complete was like speaking of six zeros <laughs> that's why there I-, <laughs> I go Jimmy's taking a dive in <laughs> yeah maybe he'll get there that's why I totally stuttered over the Terry thing because I was like wait I'm saying this Je- Jimmy usually says this
1: <laughs> what the world is upside down nothing makes sense nothing anything makes is sense. possible
2: <laughs> all right we'll see you guys next time peace.